You have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream, the dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I am your host on this personal development and growth podcast. Listen, if you're new to the show, I just want to take this time, and I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. And if this is your 50, 150th, or 250th time tuning back in, I just want to thank you for your continued listenership and your support of the show. It means a lot to me. And listen, if this is a podcast you derive value from, I always say it. I'll always say it. Please Do not hesitate to link it to your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, anything where you can copy the, I'm sorry, link the podcast to and help to generate more awareness over what we're doing over here, what we're talking about, the guests we have on, et cetera. It would do me a great service at myself at Justin Craig Groth, and I would appreciate it very, very much. So without further ado, Rolo, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate your time, man. So, um, Let's get started. I want to jump. There's a lot of topics I want to talk about with you. And I know you got a lot to say on a lot of different things. So for people who don't know you or are not familiar with you, I want you to tell them who Rolo is. Sure. Uh, I am Rolo Tomasi. I'm the author of The Rational Male, uh, the original book published in 2013, and then the series, which is five books, a now five book series. And I'm ending it at five books, Um, but it's the Rational Mail series. Uh, I have been involved in the red pill, manosphere, intersexual dynamics, uh, you name it, uh, men's self-improvement, whatever the heck we're calling it these days. I've been doing what I've been doing for about 20 years right now. So whether it was on forums or on my blog, which is therationalmail.com or my, my, uh, my books or, uh, or my own show that I have, uh, my own YouTube channel that I've got as well. Uh, I am, I, I hate being called a relationship expert cause I'm not, um, I am, I am, uh, an expert in intersexual dynamics. I think that's probably the best, uh, easiest way to, to discuss that and, uh, human nature, male nature, female nature. And I approach it from a practical logical, objective, rational perspective, um, rather than injecting a lot of emotion and a lot of ideology uh, into it. I, I practice a nuts and bolts perspective, and I'm just really good at articulating things, I guess. And uh, I connect dots uh, with respect to why why things are. I ask uncomfortable questions, I think. Maybe that's it. <laughs> so you spoke recently on uh, the Fresh and Fit podcast about, and we talked about this previously about polarity and similarities and how the two, um, one is in terms of a relationship, one is better than the other. I want you to kind of go into depth about that for our viewers. Okay. Um, so I, I approach, um, intersexual dynamics from two sides. One is sort of being like, um, what, what I call plate theory. It's, it's, it's spin, you spin more plates, my friend. It's kind of like you're, you're a plate spinner and you've got like plates spinning around on the, on the sticks and everything. And really that's sort of uh, an analogy or an allegory, I think for uh, dating non-exclusively. And what that means is you're not committing and you're not monogamous to any one woman at any particular time. You just have a roster of women that are you're you're dating. You are actually dating like an adult is meant to date rather than being a serial monogamist. 
And then the other side of that coin is, well, once you get to the point where you've decided that you want to be monogamous or that you find someone that you think you might be compatible with, uh, how do you approach uh, a healthy relationship? Um, essentially what I, as I was saying before, when I got into discussing this stuff and I got into studying this and, you know, my background's in behavioral psychology, um, when I got into doing what I, what I do and, and just sort of, like I said, connecting dots, um, usually there's, there's, there's two kinds of guys. One is I want to get my notch count up. I just want to, I want to lose my virgin card, you know, my V card. Right. Um, and they want to, uh, not necessarily be players per se, but they want to at least have some options. And then there's the guys who learn, uh, game red pill, uh, even not even just so much formal, formal red pill slash game, but more like, uh, they just want to understand why, women work the way that they do and why what they've been doing for so long really doesn't um, work for them and how can they change and how can they understand this and how can they learn and how can they improve and so then that gets into some more serious uh, topics and of course one of those is like how do i maintain how do i establish and maintain a healthy relationship with a woman assuming that's what they want to do so my my perspective has always been this is that it is not about open communication like Oprah and Dr. Phil would like to have you believe um, you know everyone wants to rattle off you when you say what's the key or what's the cornerstone of a healthy relationship and it's usually you'll get some variation of open communication just talk it out kind of thing you know and then that's that's probably some of the worst advice you can get as a guy certainly as a guy and um because that comes from really a female perspective of a female correct way of thinking about things because it's not that you communicate it's what you're communicating so there's lots of ways to communicate we, you know verbally i'm looking at you right now i'm talking to you you can see my facial expressions uh you can see what i'm wearing you can see what my mannerisms are you can see i'm using my hands to gesticulate and that kind of stuff and then there, so there's different ways to communicate and I can scream at you like this and be very emphatic about things, or I can be very passive and I can come back on it. And there's, so there's lots of different ways to, to relay things, but it's not the tone. It's not that you're communicating. It's the information that you're communicating to that person that is really the, the key to all of that. And that's where polarity comes in. And what I mean by polarity, and as I was saying to, on Fresh and Fit's podcast, is the cornerstone to a healthy relationship is maintaining your identity and maintaining polarity between yourself and your spouse or your yourself and your girlfriend or yourself and whoever, or maybe even the girls that you just have on your roster. And the reason I say that is because the things that make a man attractive and, and arousing tend to be some of the first things that guy wants to give up once he gets into a relationship. So once he gets, uh, once he puts a ring on it, or once he makes everything, you know, uh, you know, social media official, and you're my girlfriend, whatever, that's when the guy starts to turn from Superman into Clark Kent, because he feels like that that's what he ought to be. He wants to become more alike and more compatible and more, um, I'll say docile, but more accommodating, let's say, of what he thinks that his girlfriend, his wife, his whatever, believes that he ought to be. And what happens is that you lose the polarity that made you attractive in the first place. So when I say um, 
uh, you know, uh, men who want to align themselves with the the feminine or whatever, all you're doing is you're practicing uh, an ideology or a, a, a best practices, let's just say, of, of a belief that likes attract or that a healthy relationship is means that you're more alike with your partner when in fact the things that drew you together in the first place was the fact that you were opposite of that person opposites attract likes do not attract and what happens is men believe that they've got to cater themselves to be more acceptable and to be more to to have a healthy you know trouble free don't rock the boat, uh, good relationship. They've got to change themselves into what they expect their girlfriends or their wives or whatever expects of them. And in doing so, like I said, they sort of like they declaw themselves. They, they, they blunt their teeth. You know, they, uh, they go from being Superman and turn themselves into Clark Kent. And then they find that later on that, their wives don't have any attraction for them or their girlfriends aren't, aren't aroused by them anymore because they've lost the polarity and they've assumed similarity. And it's, I think it's very important for men in particular to maintain their identity, stay on point, make themselves their own mental point of origin, be self-important, be judgmental, be discerning. And be focused and concerned with your own success and your own ambition because it's the things that you drive for, the things that make you you, the things that made your identity attractive and arousing to that woman when you were dating or when you just first met her in the club or you met her wherever. Those things, when you take those things away, how can you expect to have a healthy relationship when you turn into someone that you are you weren't when you first met? And so I, I, the reason why I, I came up with the, the polarity thing was because I had so many guys who will hit me up and they'll go, Rolo, I lost the frame. I lost the frame. She's, you know, she doesn't have any respect for me anymore. And she turned off the sex bigot as soon as she moved into my apartment. And, and, you know, I tried to be a communicate to her and I tried to negotiate and, and do all this stuff that Jordan Peterson told me to do and Oprah and Dr. Phil. And they said, you know, sit down at the table. My, my marriage counselor said, okay, well, you're not having enough sex. And so therefore, what is it that, that Joe has to do Jane to have more sex? Well, let's negotiate. It's like a hostage negotiation, right? It's like you're negotiating terms for her desire when she honestly, it doesn't matter what you do because you're not the same person anymore that she wanted to have hot monkey sex with when you were single and now you're married and you go, oh, well, you know, once you get married or once you get together, you know, things calm down and, and you're, you know, they, you're expecting like sex to decline when in fact, what's not, what's declined is you've tried to become more alike what you, what more alike with or align yourself more with, you know, you identify with what you think she wants from you instead of saying, you know what, I'm me, you can love me for me, or you can get, you know, comply or goodbye kind of thing. And that's the really kind of the crux, I think, of polarity. And it's very, it sounds very counterintuitive to most guys today, particularly the last four generations. It used to be, you know, back prior to the sexual revolution, that was just, this was just natural. You, you're you, she's her, you guys, you know, love each other. You respect each other. He does his own thing because if, 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 you know, great grandfather, um, uh, has to go and start a business or he has to go and make these sacrifices and he has some drive, he has some dreams, he has some passions, ambitions, whatever else, 
great grandma knows that if he's successful, she benefits from that. And so I, I use a term called uh, enlightened self-interest. And what that, what that means is I can't help anyone until I can help myself first. And I can't help other people as well as when I help myself first. And the example I always use is like whenever you're in the, whenever you're in the, on an airplane and the stewardess is giving, you know, here's the, you know, the, the flotation device and here's what you do in, in an event of an emergency. And they say, you know, the, the oxygen masks fall out of the ceiling and everything. And the first thing they tell you is put the damn oxygen mask on yourself first and then help the kid or the old person or whoever's sitting next to you. Because if you don't put it on first and take care of yourself first, you all die. <laughs> I mean, figuratively speaking, right? If you don't put that on before you help someone else, you'll die before you can help them out. And that's really kind of in a nutshell, that's really what enlightened self-interest is about. I can't help other people until I can help myself. And that is a key to polarity in a relationship. I have to help myself. I have to come first because when I benefit, you benefit, my daughter benefits, my dogs benefit, my mother-in-law benefits, my niece benefits, my wife benefits, the, you know, the, all the guys in the manosphere benefit, all the, you know, all the chicks that are my groupies benefit. If I benefit first, then I go, you know what, if I can help, I will help. I'm not saying be a prick, but you have to think of yourself first and make yourself the first thing that comes into your mind when you're faced with a decision. Most guys, man, that is like counterintuitive. That is like saying, oh my God, I, I can't believe he's saying something like that. Well, you, you do unto others as you would have do unto, done unto you, right? Uh, think of others before you think of yourself. Be serviceable. No, bullshit. You should be thinking about yourself first because if you die, then nobody else benefits. You know, if you don't succeed, then nobody else can can enjoy the benefits of your success if you're not the one. And, and then you, of course, are the one who gets to be the arbiter of who benefits from that, of course. But no, no, if 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 daddy ain't happy or if daddy ain't successful, nobody else is successful either. And so when I see stuff like, uh, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. If, if a happy wife, happy life, bullshit because the guy has to be happy first before there's a happy wife in the first place. And that requires polarity and that requires a maintenance of, of sticking to your guns and, and holding fast to your identity when you're in an inner relationship instead of this, Oh, let's all talk it out and negotiate and see if, uh, uh, you know, do, will you have sex with me? If I wash the dishes, will you have sex with me? If I do the laundry and change the baby and stuff like that. No, you're negotiating genuine desire. And the only way you're going to get to genuine desire is if you have polarity. Man, that was really well. All, you hit on so many different facets and it's very, very layered, but everything you touched on was very well said. Well, it's, I'm always struggling. I'll tell you right now, I mean, just to get things started here, like um, I'm always struggling with being uh, about striking a balance between being concise, but also being comprehensive. Yeah. Because if I'm not comprehensive, Someone will say, well, Rollo didn't think about this. And you know what happens? I did think about that. I was just sacrificing being comprehensive with being concise. And now if I'm too simplistic about things, then people go, well, he didn't think of this, or I don't think he really thinks about this. Or No, I did. I'm just dumbing it down for you so we can have a conversation here. And then what happens is ultimately I've got to go back and spend more time explaining it to you 
rather than just like saying, okay, just listen to me here for five minutes. Cause it's, right. it's a con- it, this isn't like, there's no elevator pitch for the red pill. It, it encompasses so much. So like I said, I'm always trying to strike a balance between like being concise with being comprehensive. It was really well, really well said, man. I would just say that. And I wanted to ask you another question because I, I don't really understand where, like you were talking about losing the frame, how men are talking to you about how they lost their frame with their woman and they can't get sex, et cetera. They don't have the same position or stance. So what makes a man willingly abdicate himself from that position he was once in when they first met? What are the reasons why he steps, he voluntarily steps down basically? Scarcity, lack of options primarily. Um, uh, okay. Again, I'm going to try to strike a balance here. <laughs> being concise with comprehensive. Um, the concise way of putting this is that most guys uh, live in a, in a, a, a state of scarcity. Um, when you look at statistics today, about uh, 80% of men being deemed unattractive by women, that is the sort of operative state for most men really globally but i mean we can certainly make the case for western society so let's just say we're, we're just going to round things off here and say 80 percent of guys are unattractive they are not the guys that women would want to get with that leaves 20 percent of guys that women would say you know, maybe if he does this, or maybe if he qualifies in this way, you got to remember that women's mating strategy is based on quality and not necessarily, um, uh, and it's quality based on their own self-perceptions. Like, what am I worth? Like you, you, if you buy ladies, if you buy into this, you know, um, strong independent woman narrative you are most women in uh, you know western societies today are very hubristic they they believe they are entitled to the highest value guy in the world and that's a I, I should point out that that's a feature and not a bug when it comes to hypergamy and when it comes to women's um uh, mating strategy now you're, you're going to ask me like well what, where where do we go with this well hear me out here so you've got 80 percent of guys who are not are not even in the running. They're not even in the market. They're not even in the sexual marketplace because women go, nope, I won't get with those guys. They're creepy. There's something wrong with them. They're short. They got little dicks, whatever it is. They don't want to have anything to do with that guy. And we can look at this from dating information uh, based on like, say, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, uh, uh, Match.com. I mean, there's so many data sets that show that a, but women by and large find at least 80% of men as unattractive. That doesn't mean like they kind of would be okay if they did something. That means they're out, they're out of the running. The other 20% doesn't necessarily make them attractive. It just ma- doesn't make them unattractive. So we pair that down from the, that 20% of the guys who might be acceptable to the four and a half percent of that 20% who are the guys who are so hot, so high value, so good looking, so what they got something, right? That women want to initiate a contact with that guy. Only four and a half percent of men are deemed by women to be attractive enough to want to initiate with them. Okay, so that's the that's the fundamentals of what's what's known as the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule. Now, before everybody gets all misconstrued here, I'm not saying, and no one in the red pill has ever said that 80% of guys, or what is it, a 20% of guys are banging 80% of women. That is a complete mis 
misconception and if not a deliberate misconception because people want to take that and say, oh, this is what those red pill guys believe. No, 100% of women want to get with the top 20%, at the very least, the top 20% of guys. And only 4.5% of those guys are attractive enough for women to want to take action to in- initiate some sort of like contact with those guys. That is the 80-20 rule. So there's 80% of guys who are off the table, and then there's 20% of guys who are maybe guys, okay? Now, the guys who are in the 80% have to figure out some way to get out of the 80%. They've got to make a shit ton of money. They've got to get yoked. They've got to uh, have really tight game, you know, money muscles game. They've got to have some strength or some skill set in all of those or like one of those that that sort of pushes them out of the 80% and pushes them into the 20% and it might be because they you know meet a girl in a club rather than online on Tinder or something like that but you're still dealing with dating in the data age so if they're on Instagram they have to curate their their look and their pictures and everything run it through face app or whatever it is they've got to find some way to make themselves as attractive and learn how to play the game and most men simply don't have the patience to learn anything because they're like i'm never going to be able to do that they should love me for me anyways i don't want to have to learn how i don't have to learn game i don't want to have to work out i don't want to have to actually make a ton of money i just want to be me and if they really love me for me then that's what i really want to get with well the problem is is that you're going to be lonely with your dick in hand if that's the case and what happens is those 80% guys who don't want to have any don't want to you know educate themselves or try to find some way to get out of the 80% when they do finally get a girlfriend, and I'm not saying that they don't, but when they finally get a girlfriend or they like uh, they get later on in life and the women are like, okay, I guess you'll do, you know, I can't find anybody else, but I got to settle for this guy. And most women today don't really want to settle. The guy who is part of that 80% realizes that he lives in a state of scarcity and he doesn't have a lot of options when it comes to having a girl who would actually want to spread her legs and have sex with him and much less start a family with him, much less do whatever. Now, when that guy finally gets to that point and he hits pay dirt and his ships come in and here's the girl who, who was ready to marry him or go forward in life, he knows in the back of his head and his hind brain, his lizard brain, that he doesn't have a lot of options. He's never had a lot of options. He's never been, quote unquote, lucky in love. He's never been a natural. And so when he finally gets a girlfriend, he will do anything to maintain that. Anything up to and including changing himself to what to an ideal that he thinks she expects of him so that she he will be more uh, endeared or she'll be more endeared to or endearing to him, uh, more uh, locked in with him. He will do pretty much, you know, he will uh, pick up and change change his major, uh, uh, move to a different town to get a, a different job so he can facilitate his relationship because it's what's known in, uh, I guess, evolutionary psychology as the um, – uh, what is it? It's the it's it's a dual nature of of um, uh, of a mating of mating strategies. And I want oh, it's the um, the heck is it? Uh, it's it's a principle. As I'm I'm blocking on the name right now, but the principle is is pretty simple. Is that guys who a strategic pluralism? That's what it's called. Strategic pluralism theory. And it just again, I'll be concise with this. What that means is that the guys who do not 
have a lot of sexual options know that they don't have a lot of sexual options. And so therefore they become what I call like sniper mentality. They put all of their eggs in one basket and it, it is a strategically a better plan for those, for the 80% guys to do everything they can to maintain their relationship. That's how you get happy wife, happy life. That's how you get, Oh, I'll do, you know, don't worry, honey. I'll just go watch hockey in the, in the guest bedroom because I know it bugs you. Right. Or, uh, got to check with the boss, you know, so, Hey guys, let's go out and play basketball. Sorry. Got to check with the boss first. Right. That kind of that mentality of like, she's the one who's in charge. She's the one who provides security. She's the one who runs my show. And the reason why guys get into that situation is because they are already of a scarcity mentality and they do this over the course of years and decades. Then they, then they, they say, well, I guess I'll never understand women. I've never been lucky with lucky in love, but um, you know, I, I thank God every day that, uh, he sent this woman, this wonderful woman into my life because gosh, look at me, I'm a schmuck and she's just wonderful. And they self-deprecate and that self, that, that almost knee jerk default to uh, self-deprecation because they believe that the more, the less they are, the more they make her, the more she'll appreciate it because it's like, oh, well, you know, there must be a God out there because, you know, th there's no other reason why this woman would, you know, this wonderful angel from heaven would get with a, a, a lowly worm like me. And so it's, again, it's, they're trying to make themselves more alike or more, um, uh, more, you know, alike with the, the women that they're with. That's already the identification we talked about earlier, but then there's also, they will do pretty much anything to not rock the boat because their only source of sex is going to be that woman for the rest of their lives. And all the women who came before her were so few and far between, they don't want to screw anything up. And so when we look at strategic pluralism theory, guys who are attractive, those four and a half percent guys are the guys who can like date non-exclusively. It's in their best interest to be players. It's in their best mating strategic, you know, uh, sexual strategy to be players because they have access. They don't, they're not, they're not beholden to scarcity because they have lots of options. And as a result of that, those guys who are like the, the quote unquote alpha males that women want to get with, they manifest different behaviors and different attitudes and different, you know, different ways of thinking and, and everything than the guy who is sort of has lived an entire life in sexual scarcity and that guy will put up with all kinds of things, including feminism, including gynocentrism, including, you know, you name it. And he will want to align himself to be more, more correct, right. More female correct than the guy who doesn't have to do that because he's like, well, if she doesn't work out, I got six other girls on speed dial who are ready to go and suck my dick tonight. And I don't, and th that manifests in that attitude. And we call that arrogance, but it's not arrogance. It's just like pragmatism. It's just like, this is just how it works. If she doesn't want to, if she doesn't work out, there's three other girls on my roster that will work out. That guy has a much different mentality than the 80 percenter who can't believe his luck that some girl came along and wants to suck his dick. That's the that's the nuts and the bolts of it. And that is exactly so the 80 20 rule hypergamy, everything that's led up to this, all of that builds up to a scarcity mentality for a guy who has no options and he will do anything to maintain the one option that he actually does have. So that's how you get happy wife, happy life, and everything else that I said before. Yeah. And it seems counterintuitive to think that 
a man that has options and tells that woman, like a, a woman he's dealing with that he does have options. You would think that it would cancel her out, but really they actually like that more often than not. They like the mm -hmm. fact that you have options, but you're choosing them instead of your options. Yeah. I well, think, like, as I said before, like um, women want a man who other men want to be and other women want to bang. They mm -hmm. want that. No, no woman wants a guy that no other woman wants. And they want a guy, and I, you know, that's the simplistic, the simplest way that I have ever been able to put it is they want a man who other men want to be and other women want to have sex with. And because there's that, the from the female side, it's like, okay, he is high value enough and hot enough that my girlfriends want to get with him and I'm the one that gets with him, that boosts his value. And if it's, he has friends who are like, they're very impressed with him and he's the top of the heap. He's at the high, of the, uh, certainly up on the, the top of the list of the dominance hierarchy and the, the you know status hierarchy. If that's where he's at, that only reinforces the value for the woman that yeah. is actually with him. And so guys like that can afford to be experimental. They don't have to worry about rocking the boat because they, they know that their girlfriend or their wife's girlfriends and friends want to fuck him and then there there's you know her 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 girlfriend's husbands want to be him <laughs> so he's you know that and i as visceral as i can put that that's simply the nuts and bolts of it i'm not you know people say oh that's dehumanizing yeah it is but you have to break it down to to you know dollars and cents there otherwise you don't understand why it is that you know she you live in a sexless marriage or she doesn't have any respect for you anymore it's because your value has gone down and nobody wants to be you and nobody wants to bang you. Yeah. I mean, it boils down to this. We're so primitive in the way that we operate as human beings, but we want to put a, we want to make things more complex and, and, and I guess contorted in a way that I, we, we think that, oh, maybe that's, this is the way it is. Cause it's more, there's more to it than just that when really there's not much more to it, man. We operate on these primitive biological pathway, so to speak. And it, nothing has changed in the last, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, nothing has changed. It's just society that's changing us or trying rather to change us and make men into what they want. We were talking previously and you had to mention that too, how it's society is, is trying to conform us males into being a specific type of male where we use the word transvaluation and mm -hmm. you're trying to essentially merge one type of uh, biological subset of or biological preset, the way that we are wired into another, like we trying to, like you said, you use the word transvaluation. Why don't you talk mm -hmm. about the transvaluation? Oh, sure, term? sure. Well, a transvaluation is actually a social sort of a social impair, social um, convention. Let's just say mm -hmm. what what that means. Is, and I didn't come up with that name, by the way. I believe that's like a sociological or psych, maybe it's psychological um, perspective. So just so like, I'm not pulling this out of my ass here. Um, the, the idea of transvaluation is we take the meaning of one word and we turn it into its opposite. So the easiest example of this is when people say like, oh, you need to be more vulnerable. Vulnerability is really strength. Mm, no, no, it's not. If we go and we look at it in the dictionary, we can see that vulnerability means weakness. Simple as that. That's what it means. But we want to lead with our vulnerability. Like we, uh, especially guys who are in that 80%, it is in their best interests if they can convince men at large to believe that 
being more vulnerable and being more open and being more emotional and being more like a woman, really, I mean, leading with emotion is in some way good game. That is in some, like, again, remember we talked about like um, polarity, okay? The polarity between men and women is there's the conventional masculine, there's conventional feminine. And this are these are evolved, you know, sexual dimorphism, okay? Men and women are different. And the moment you, you start to accept that, you see you, that's the moment you put on the red pill lens, okay? You realize that men and women have innate, evolved, natural natures that are you can call them predetermined or, or deterministic, but they are deterministic insofar as the machine doesn't change. As you were saying before, we're still, and I think we said this in the last time we were together, um, the, the human machine hasn't changed all that much in 100,000 years, okay? The, uh, the humans of like ancient Greece, right? The humans of the uh, sub-Saharan African savanna who lived in hunter-gatherer tribes, the machinery and the mechanics aren't all that different. But we've updated, we, we've, we've come up to the 21st century right now. We put a man on the moon. We have supercomputers. I'm, I'm able to talk to you. I don't, God, I don't even know where you're at, Justin. But I can, I can have this conversation with you. But I'm still the same machine, uh, human speaking wise, as my ancestors were, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago. And we're still motivated and we're still prompted by the same sort of human innate evolved desires. But we still we live in a time right now where everyone says, no, nah, it's OK. We're we're all actually the same. And we're, you know, the blank slate this and social constructionism that and emotionalism this. And it's like, no, we have so much data that shows us right now that that's absolute horseshit. But we're still clinging to these 20th century ideas of transvaluation. And when you look back on it, you go, okay, whose interests does it serve to say vulnerability is strength? Well, it serves guys who can't compete in the sexual marketplace to foster an idea of transvaluation, to foster the idea that women are actually attracted to vulnerability instead of strength, which we know is horseshit. And we can see that it's horseshit or dark triad personality traits, guys who have a, a, a capacity or a proclivity for violence tend to be tend to reproduce in greater numbers than men who don't and we can see the uh, the statistics for this we can see the evolutionary psychology and by evo bio the biology for this as well we can look at the the uh, the big five personality traits we can look at dark triad personality traits and see how attractive those are to women okay well once we get past that and we accept that now we have to say why why are dark triad? Well, you would think pro-social, you know, um, uh, personality traits would be what women would find the most attractive, but we we see that they are not, and we don't do ourselves any favor when we try to sweep that under the carpet, or we go, well, I guess we're, but we're all evolved beyond that. <laughs> no, you're not. That's just you trying to pretend that your biology and everything else doesn't actually fit into this framework that we have stats and we have research and we have everything that proves the opposite. So when we look in the 20th century way of thinking, what I call the old order way of thinking, that's very emotional. People have a very emotional connection of where they're clinging to like the security blanket of these failed beliefs and these failed memes and these failed ideologies. And they don't know how to reconcile that 
with this new order data, with this empiricism that is, you can just go on Google and find the same shit and the same research I do. I'm not like some special snowflake. I just go and I'm curious. My, if, if I have a talent, it's curiosity, right? And, and, and connecting dots. And I, it's not like I have some exclusive access to data that nobody else does. You all, anyone watching this can do the same kind of research that I have. It's just that you don't have the curiosity or the intrigue to want to know about these things because it's more comfortable to stick to old 20th century, um, you know, comfortable memes like vulnerability is strength. And it, which is patently absurd when you think about it in the 21st century, but yet we're still clinging to that because we want it to be true. It's like just what we were saying a minute ago, like polarity versus like, you know, um, open communication and this, you know, this Oprah, Dr. Phil, you know, negotiate with your wife at the marriage counselor kind of stuff. And, you know, then she'll really, once you, once you get it out and you talk it out, then she's really going to want to have sex with you. No, she's not. Not until you figure out that you're different from her and what you're doing is not attractive and not arousing to her. And you've got to find some way to fix that. And it doesn't start with negotiating for her genuine desire. It starts with you changing yourself and saying, you know what, comply or goodbye. And you'll find out that once you become like the guy that other men want to be and other women want to bang, then suddenly without ever going to the marriage counselor, without going to, you know, following this quote unquote common 20th century wisdom by, by talking it out, you change yourself and suddenly she wants to tear your clothes off. Well, guess what? That's proof of concept right there. Mm. And when we find out that it's not about sitting down and negotiating things and saying, oh, if I do dishes, will you want to bang me? Oh, if I do more laundry, if I change the baby, if I, if I have to do these chores without being asked, then you'll want to have sex with me more. If you sit down there and, and turn everything into a hostage negotiation and you wonder why she still won't bang you even after you had that negotiation, well, that's a failure in your ability to sort of see what, you know, the force for the trees, right? To see what's actually going on. And so when you come out of that and you go, okay, what I've been doing is not working. How can, you know, what's the definition of insanity, right? Like keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, once you can push past that and say, you know what? Maybe all these things that I thought about in the past are not actually true. Maybe that was the blue pill and I should actually take the red pill and start thinking about things in different perspective. Then things start to change for you. Your life gets better. You realize that it's not about similarities. It's not about transvaluation. It's not about, you know, making your vulnerability or your strength or your attractiveness. And you realize you can push this stuff off. It's really hard to do, no doubt, because you probably invested yourself, your ego into those beliefs. And then on top of that, once you start doing those things, you put that stuff into practice, then all your friends are going to be like, man, you really turned into an asshole because they want you to come back and be the same old guy, right? Because you're predictable and you're easier to deal with when you're predictable. So when you get to that point, and you, you said, that's what, why we call it the red pill. That's why we call it the blue pill and the matrix and everything else. I know it sounds schmaltzy, but it, the, the analogy and the metaphor fits. So it's like, like for instance, transvaluation and, um, and as I kept saying, you know, vulnerability, this, and that's just one example. There's lots and lots of other examples of transvaluation, but all of that is rooted in old order way of thinking, in an old order way of thinking that we're comfortable with. We think it should work. 
it sounds like it's it sounds intuitive right it sounds logical if we could just you know do uh, well women really want vulnerability and you really got to be vulnerable and you wear your heart on your sleeve and if you trust your emotions they'll never lead you astray bullshit we can see that they lead you astray hell go watch tinder swindler and you'll see just how much your your emotions and your intuition and your instincts fuck you up <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, we can see it black and white. Hell, they make you know award-winning documentaries off the fact that it's bullshit. So, so at what point do you go, okay, it's bullshit. Let's change my life. And you know, according to this new data set, but people don't want to do that. They well, never want to do that because it's more comfortable to cling to the old order, 20th century security blanket of emotionalism. It feels so good what I'm hearing is it seems like men have to, in order to get the quote unquote frame back, they have to establish dominance. Mm -hmm. They have to regain their dominance because that's what attracted them to the woman in the beginning. And that's the reason why the woman wanted to tear their clothes off in the beginning. Because again, this all goes back to primitive, a primitive way of being. Mm -hmm. That's it. It was really hasn't changed in a very long time. That's probably going to be the title of this podcast. The machine has not changed mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, it's really true. I mean, the fact of the matter is these men are subjugating themselves because they want a specific thing in the, in the woman, or they want to be, I don't know, maybe they just, they think that's the way that for the woman to nurture them or screw anything up. Exactly. They go, right. They want to go by the old, they want to go by old order 20th century memes and thoughts and ideologies and practices and things that they it sounds like logic i mean i'll be honest with you you know open communication solves everything no it doesn't but it certainly sounds like it should right it sounds like it's it's wisdom Mm -hmm. but when you put it into practice you go you know what if i got to the gym and i actually exercised some dominance and i you know she really was felt more secure with me because i'm the captain of this ship then maybe that sort of negates the idea of, oh, I need to be more vulnerable and open and everything else. No, no, you don't. Right. Because <laughs> that's what forward, we- young man. <laughs> right. Because that's what women search for innately is the security aspect in a man. They yeah. And, it's funny. Let me, let me just uh, add something to that. You're right. The, the security, long-term security is the, I think the primary drive in, in human females. Now, a lot of guys will argue with me. They'll say, well, no, they want to have sex when they're 18 to 28. And yeah, you're right. They do. They want to find the hot guy in the phone can and party in Cancun on spring break, right? Yeah, the whole They want to get with that guy. Absolutely. But when you look at the uh, age range where women are at their peak sexual market value, like say between 18 and 28, that's 10 years, 10 years of a lifespan that, I mean, I hope you live a long life, but it might be like 90 years, right? So- the the first like say t- you know 18 years you're growing up you're going to high school you're figuring yourself out then from 18 to 28 you have a decade for a window of the, you you're able to take your sexual agency and your power and your and and you know your your intelligence or whatever and you've got to find some way and this is and again this is the machine again the machine hasn't changed um you've got to find some way to ensure your future security because women's sexual market value and their agents, their sexual, a women's only real agency in this world is their sexual agency. Their only real true power over men or true power over anything is really their sexual agency. If you don't believe me, just wait till the next time that there's a protest and women strip their clothes off. 
the first impulse for women to do when they want to be heard or they want attention is to take their shirt off or take their clothes off and run around naked so people look to pay attention to them because on a hind brain, lizard brain level, they understand the only time anyone pays attention to them is when their tits are hanging out. And that's, that's you, you yeah. want to know why OnlyFans is a big deal or like yeah. every girl on Instagram is selling ass. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Prove that's me true. wrong. Please. Somebody prove me wrong because no, I want to be wrong hate. about this, but I am not wrong about this. Yeah. So between like 18 and 28 years old, that's the, the, the prime window. Now from 29 on into 90 plus years, that's when women are going to be looking for long-term security. That's when they want to have families. They want to make sure that the baby's okay. They want to make sure that the guy that they're with can provide the three P's protection, provisioning, and parental investment. And they need, and he has, it's, it helps if he's hot. It helps if he's really fun in the sack. Don't get me wrong. They still want that, but the priorities change right around 29, 30, 31 years old. And they, they're, it's not that they go off the list. Like I want a hot guy when I'm 18 to 28. Got it. But that might be, that's number one on the list until 29. And maybe oh, he's got to have a good job and then he has to be hot, right? He's got to love his mom. He's got to want babies. He's got to like puppy dogs. He's got to have a good sense of humor. He's got to be intelligent. He has to have gone to, to, to you know, school. He's got to have a degree. He's got to be the same religion as me. He's got to have the same, this political ideology, whatever it is on down the list. And there's some of those are deal breakers and some of them are not, but they're they're listed in order of importance, depending on the ethnicity and the culture and whatever else that woman has been sort of like raised, socialized, acculturated into. Okay. So when she gets to be 28, 29, 30, you know, 31-ish, somewhere around there, that's when the chips are down. That's the epiphany phase. And it's at that point that women are saying, okay, I need a guy for the long haul. And the long haul, still they're 90. And so between 18 and 28, that 10 year window, that's right there. We've got to find or, or consolidate on a guy who's a good bet for the future has potential. It helps if he's already a winner. If he's already got fame and fortune and, and he's the guy that other men want to be and other women want to bang. It helps if he's already there, but most women don't find that guy. They're looking for a guy who has the potential to be that, but he's not quite there yet because it takes longer for men to mature into their full, you know, sexual market value than it does for women to do so. So they've got to kind of place a bet on the guy. And so what happens is they're looking for that long-term security above all else because they understand that their sexual market, you know, their agency and their sexual agency and their sexual market value is perishable. So once it starts to go into decline and it decays, they need to be set for the future, whether that's financial, whether that's emotional, whether that's sexual, whether that's family-wise, I mean, name the priority. I don't care what the priority is. Women, by and large, are looking for long-term security. And that comes back to your point, which is they're looking for a guy who's dominant enough and is incompetent enough and is someone who can be the head of the household and be the head of the family and everything that she can defer to, that she can look up to, that she respects, that she admires, that she loves, that she wants, that she wants to have, wants to have hot monkey sex with as well. She's looking for that guy. And all of those aspects all feed into the idea of long-term security. So yes, they're looking for that masculine dominance, but they're also looking for that guy who's at the top of the hierarchy, but he's also got to be competent. He's also going to be strong. He's also got to have a capacity for violence if he has to use it. He has to be, there's so many things on that laundry list of prerequisites for women that most women say, 
I'm never going to find that guy. So I'll have to provide it for myself. And so that's when you get the alpha female bullshit and everything else that goes along with it. But the reason why the alpha female archetype or the trope of the alpha female even exists is because women need long-term security. And if they can't get it from the guy, they'll become an alpha male and they'll turn themselves into the guy that they want to marry so they can get long-term security. Exactly. Well, this segues perfectly into my own personal circumstance that we kind of left off on the other day, um, which I will, uh, uh, I'll I'll go back, I'll re-entertain it. So the woman that I was recently with in a circumstance with, um, she was a mother and she's 29. She has built a, a fairly substantial base on, on social media mm-hmm. to which she provides an income for her family or rather her kids with. Um, and without delving too much into that, it's not only fans, by the way, surprisingly, but <laughs> it is everything um, to do with, you know, selling, selling brands, et cetera, like promoting brands, et cetera. And she makes some money or a living doing Drop that. Shipping, fulfillment, what up? Like, beauty like products? no, 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 no. Like just like use my code, blah, blah, blah. She gets affiliate marketing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what happens is she's, she's gone through obviously a few relationships, had different kids from different dads and, but yet nobody has yet to, well, she might have had a ring at one point, but she didn't actually go through the process or they didn't go through the process. Right. So we end up going on a date and, or, uh, going out for a few, for a few, only at lasted a few weeks. And here's, here's where I was. I came to the table disingenuous and I got to put that in the forefront because I knew that I would not be able to accept the woman with children. Hmm. However, um, I wanted to see where it would go. And I think that was the, uh, you know, I don't know if that was just me seeing if I, if, if it would turn into something of, I don't know, just sex or just companionism. I don't know. I don't know what mm. it was going to be, but I knew this Rolo. I didn't want to be with her in the future. And I, cause I did not want to uh, uh, adopt these children. Uh <laughs> recreational literally, use literally. yes okay yeah and um so we had a discussion one day she goes to a personal trainer she herself is very uh she's very immersed in fitness so and that's part of her thing is fitness well she goes to a personal trainer we had the discussion one day of how she's thinking about re-upping her on her on her on her monthly on the next package for the trainer. And she says, you know, I just didn't know if I was going to do it or not. I, I wanted to make sure that I brought money because he's a business owner, et cetera. And I say, and this is where we got stuck, man. And, and part of this, I was wrong on, and I'll tell you where I was wrong, but I, I am a business owner, meaning I have a brick and mortar personal training, private practice that I, that I facilitate my clients out of. And I have employees and or rather trainers that work underneath me or with alongside of me rather, and they train their clients as well. Okay. So this is a real established location that I drive to every day. And I train, she, he works at a, a a training studio, like sort of like mine, but, and because of that, I would say that he's not a business owner per se. He's just a personal trainer. 
that mm-hmm. works inside of a business. And I said to her, I said, well, he's not a business owner. He's a personal trainer that works at a, at a, tra- a training compound. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, no, he's, and she argued with me on that point. And she says, well, do you not think that I'm a, uh, a business owner? Because I don't have a, a brick and mortar location that I go to and that I, that I, or that I operate out of that I own. And I said, right. I say, you're not a business owner. I said, you're a, you're a sole proprietor. You have, you pay business, uh, you pay business taxes, et cetera, but you're just that you just have a business, but you're not, you don't own, what do you own then? You own the, the, the name to your business. That's it. I mean, what do you own? Uh, 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 assuming that you own a business, uh, essentially illustrates to me that you own something tangible, mm-hmm. that there's something tangible that you own, but you can't say you own you. For example, would you, you call employ- it? Does she have employees? You don't have an employees. You don't have a company. It's just you. So mm-hmm. it's like, would you consider a woman who starts an OnlyFans a business owner? And mm-hmm. she says, yes. And I say, okay, well, that's where we're going to differ. And I'm not going to have this conversation because it's just, you believe one way. I believe another way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I just wanted to kill it. I just wanted to extinguish the possible fire that might be out there. Mm-hmm. And so I just, and by the way, I already knew she was ma- She's masculine in certain areas, mm-hmm. but also she's very sweet too. So it's that, that, it's that trickery, that fuckery a little bit that makes me just duplicity. Duplicity yeah. is the word you're looking for. Yeah. What's what's say it again? Duplicity. Duplicity. Well, I like I'm gonna start using that word now. I like that word. <laughs> so I end up just okay, okay, just diffusing the conversation. She gets off the phone, we got the phone, fine. She texts me maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes later. She says, I don't like the way we left off. Um, it doesn't sit well with me that you feel that way. And before I even got a response from the text, before I was able to respond, she calls me. And so now we're part two, we're round two here of the same conversation that I wanted to essentially move away from. And um, suffice it to say, it didn't end well, but she ends up arguing with me on the topic and Google searching what it means to be a business owner. And the Google definition of a business owner is where I was wrong by Google's terminal or by Google's definition. It's intangible and tangible properties. Okay. So I say, and before I say, before I, before I, by, before I basically uh, say you're right, I, I was wrong on that particular topic. I call, I say, look, you live, you're living in fantasy land here. It's a, a business owner is this. And I, I, I say, it just, I don't care that you are not a business owner. I don't care. Even if you make money, I don't care what I care about. These values that I care about in a woman are femininity, supportiveness, cooperation. I care about those values in a woman. I don't care about how much fucking money you make, or I don't care what, what you own or, or anything that's centered around that. I don't care. I would pick you out if you worked at McDonald's as at the cash register. I don't care. Subway. (laughs) Right. I don't care. But -hmm. it's like those are the things that I value. But clearly it didn't matter to her what I valued. But what matters to me is what she values. So conversely, without taking and not giving, I give her what she wants. She values romanticism, even though I'm not a romantic. 
I try to be more romantic. She values time. And I'm a, I'm a busy motherfucker. I don't typically like to carve out different things in my schedule that aren't already there. Okay. But I was going to do that. And she already understood that I was making an attempt to carve out more time in my schedule. So she appreciated that. But I didn't go out there and say, look, I don't like carving time out of my schedule and I'm not a romantic. So do whatever you want with that. I decided to do things differently than I had previously in other relationships and try to be a little bit more of that for her because I know she valued it. But I expect in return you to value what I value. And that is being supportive, non-argumentative, fucking cooperative, submissive, except feminine, inspirational, etc. I expect those things. And if you're not going to be those things, why the fuck am I going to give you what you want? But anyways, in our conversation, even though I, I submitted to the fact that, okay, you're right. Based on that definition, you're, you're right. I guess I was wrong. She then dismisses that and goes into the area of being dis, dis, feeling disrespected because I called her living in fantasy land. So now we're on that end of the argument. And then I said, look at how you're talking to me. Like the way you're arguing, this is a masculine character trait. I don't want to deal with this. And then that was the nail in the coffin. When I called her masculine or having masculine character traits, that's where she went off the fucking deep end. And not in a, in a disrespectful way. She just was like politely ended everything. And so I respect that's fine. I knew there was an expiration date on us. I just didn't know if I was going to, what I was going to, how far I was going to get. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but again, she's 29. She's moving in a different way. I can see in life as previously from what I knew about her years prior. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do you think that she entertained some idea of having something long-term with you? Yes. yes. Okay. And here's the thing to note. She doesn't know, and this is the disingenuous thing I came to the table with or the relationship with. I didn't tell her that I would not accept her kids. So she didn't even know that I wouldn't be a potential fucking father to the kids or a bonus dad to the kids. And she still was willing to fucking absolve herself of me based on this business owner argument. This only- she, it's not, She's looking, she, okay. All right, let me get, get continue. I've got, I'll, I'm taking notes as you're doing this. So essentially, and I'm not patting my back here. Essentially, I check so many of her boxes and there is a box that is unchecked yet, but could be checked if we had the conversation about kids because she doesn't know plus or minus if I would adopt these kids or not. Okay. And so not only am I ambitious, I have things going for me. I'm good looking etc. These things are not enough to keep her in terms of when, when I guess when juxtaposed to having an argument about being a business owner or not putting you at the level that I don't even fucking value anyways. Mm -hmm. You want to just essentially dis dismiss this entire possible potential relationship that we could have in the future mm -hmm. based on that one argument. Now, I think that Justin, how old are you? How old are you? 37. 37. Continue. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's essentially the, the nuts and the bolts of it. Um, 
that's, I just was taken back that she wouldn't even consider letting it go, letting what I thought, even though I told her, okay, I guess by that definition, I was wrong, Mm -hmm. letting it go. She chose to now stick on the fact of feeling disrespected that I said, you live in fantasy land. And then, and then, which is basically what I wanted to say was a Kevin Samuels phrase, put your dick up. (laughs) I wanted to say, put your dick up. Good thing. I didn't say that because if she thought fantasy land was disrespectful, she would have definitely thought, put your dick up is disrespectful, Mm -hmm. but I didn't say that I refrained. And, you know, moving on, it was the masculine thing as the nail in the coffin, because we had already talked about femininity and masculinity and roles, et cetera. And I mean, I, I could go on with what her the, viewpoints were. All right, let me, um, let me get, I, I think I got enough information now. Let me, uh, let me see if I can give you the breakdown on this whole thing. And this is, it, it kind of goes back to what the conversations we've been having, like up to this point, but like, so you're 37 and she's 29. All right. This is like a very stereotypical engagement between a guy of your age and your caliber and your value. So let's, uh, let's rewind the tape here a little bit so we can sort of see where you like demographically speaking and statistically speaking, you are hitting your stride right now as a guy. And if you have read my book, you probably know what I'm going to say is that when men get to be about 36, 35, 36, 37 years old, where you're at, um, that's when they come into their peak potential. And it's also one of the reasons why I tell guys to, to date non-exclusively, spin plates, whatever you want to call it, up until they're at least 30 years old. And then at that point, realize that the, the reason why you're doing that is not so you just can you know get rack up a notch count or you just bang anything on two legs. It's because it gives you experience with women into what it is that you want and what you don't want. Um, and as far as... Uh, uh, you know, people say, oh, you're just, you're, you're just telling guys to go have random sex. Well, it's like, I'm not telling them to do anything. I'm just saying that from a practical standpoint, it makes better sense for guys to date non-exclusively right up until their thirties. Why do I say that? Well, because when guys get to about 34, 35, 36 years old, right there, that's when they come into their peak potential. That's when men mature. It takes longer for men to mature into the qualities and the characteristics that make them uh, at their most attractive, their most attractive, their most arousing. Hopefully you've, you've made your personal trainer. So clearly your body's not an issue. You stay, stay in pretty good shape. You make more money. Uh, you, ha- you're a better judge of character. You wouldn't be calling me. We wouldn't have this conversation or you wouldn't even have, uh, uh, any issue with this if you didn't already realize what was going on. So clearly you have some, some understanding of women's character and what she's about and what you're about. Okay. So that's, that's number one, you're already at, you're at what I call, you know, the app. I mean, some people will say it's later, some people will say it's earlier, but just average speaking, it takes longer for men to maximize and and sort of mature into their peak potential. And I feel like you're kind of already there. Um, And that's why this is kind of like bugging you because you're there. And when a guy is red pill aware, he makes a good chunk of change. He's in good shape. He realizes like, if, if I were to go, I, I did this this morning with Jason Hartman. If, um, if I were to go onto the uh, female delusion calculator right now, which we've done on Fresh and Fit, I've done on SauceCast. I did it with Jason Hartman this morning. If I were to go on there, I don't know, how, how tall are you, Justin? Uh, 5'11". 
5'11". So you're, 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 you're up there. You're a white guy. You're in shape. Uh, I don't know how much money you make on average as far as your, your yearly take, but it seems to me like as a personal trainer and doing what you do, you probably make, probably make a good chunk of change. If I were to run you through the female delusion calculator, you probably represent a fraction of 1% of the, of the population. And I think what happens is when guys get to a point where you're at right now, there's almost this expectation of women to uh, ex- respect your authority, right? Res- respect you. I've done a lot. I am, I am outside the average man. I am, I am a high value man. I am above average. I can prove it to you. Here's the statistics. I represent my, me, my demographic represents a fraction of 1%. And you are a single mother with at least how many kids does she have? Cause you, you said mentioned two, at least, at least three. two, right? Three? Yeah. Three kids. She's got three kids at 29 years old. She is at an extreme disadvantage in the sexual market place with three children at 29. I don't care how good looking she is. She is right. a, just the fact that she's got three kids in tow. And does, are they all from the same father? Nope. Yeah. She's in the epiphany phase right now from two fathers or from three different fathers? Three different fathers. Yes. So, okay. So if you want to know, if you want to know why you're pissed off or why you're just kind of like sort of indignant about this whole thing is you're dealing with a single mother who has three different children from three different fathers in tow. And yet this is the conversation. And this is the, like, you would think that a woman of that, uh, of that demographic, 29 years old, who makes most of her money off of affiliate marketing, who has three children in tow, who is, you know, I guess she has her own personal trainer. She's in, in semi-decent shape. That's really probably the only thing she's got going for. Her. And at 29 years old, she realizes that the chips are down. I don't care how how oblivious women are on some level of consciousness and their lizard brain, their he- their hind brain, they realize that they better find some way to consolidate. Like you were just saying a second ago that she sees you as an LTR potential. Like she thought that maybe you're going to be the, you're going to be the dad that the kids can't get from the three other guys. She, she reproduced with during her twenties. Right. And so now along come you and she wonders why I'll tell you what's interesting about this whole thing. That, and, and this is stereotypical of today's sort of Western women is they still believe that even with three children in tow from three right. different three different fathers, uh, being in her financial position, being 29 years old, and you know, hopefully she's still in good, you know, still good looking. She still ha- she still can't shut the fuck up. She still can't say, you know what? I'm with a guy who's 37 years old who's just hitting his stride. He's the guy that other men want to be and other women want to have sex with. And I got him. And yet I'm going to, I'm going to throw all this shit out the window because I'm having some stupid petty argument with this person rather than going, you know what? Maybe I should be a little bit more, uh, you know, compromising in this whole thing. Maybe I ought to just say, you know what? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe, or maybe, hey, you know, we think of business in different ways now because we're in the 21st century. That could have been a conversation that you could have had over dinner or whatever else. But instead, she has to be very, you know, egocentric because she's probably of a generation of women, 29, definitely of a generation of women who thinks that. She has to be strong and independent, and if she's if she is in any way challenged, especially by a guy, that she has to stick to her guns and she has to be um, 
you know, that's that's a, a terms for breaking up with you, right? Over some petty, stupid argument about whether what's a business and what's not a business, right? And rather than being compromising about it or going, you know what, maybe you're right. Hey, let's talk about it over dinner, blah, blah, blah. Like rather, rather than just sort of being, um, what is it, um, diplomatic about the whole thing or being um, conciliatory about the whole thing, right? And maybe talking about it later on. Uh, it might have been a source of humor or something else later on down the road, but she doesn't. She sticks to it, and it's it's enough for her that it's an, uh, such an attack on her ego that you called her wrong that she's like, okay, fuck it, I'm out, right? You want to know why she's gone through three guys with three kids? That's right. why. That's right, you fa- Guess what, Justin? You dodged a bullet. Congratulations, right? And I, that, I, I'm using this as an example, not because I want to pick on her or pick on women in general. What sure. I'm saying is a lot of women don't realize this situation. They think they don't realize the gravity of the situation that they find themselves in life. Here you have a woman who's 29 years old, three different kids, three different fathers with a guy who's like, you know what? That's cool. I'm still going to want to see you. You're recreational use only. I'm probably not going to actually, you know, have a long-term relationship with you, but you know, you're probably fun in the fun in the sack. And whenever I, you know, we're, we could still have something going on. Right. She of course thinks that you're going to be daddy to all three kids from three different fathers. Right. But yet, even in spite of all that, in some level of consciousness, she understands her situation with you and with the three dads and with the three kids and where she is in life. But even in spite of all that, she's going to be hard-headed mm-hmm. and going to be like, oh, I take offense to that. Fuck you. I'm out, right? Exactly. That, that's where you're – really, that's yeah, where you're at. That's what I was dumbfounded by myself, man. And I will tell you – I didn't even tell you these things, but there are some things that she said that – were red flags. I mean, massive red flags. Look, the fact that she makes so much money doing the the shit that she does is to her disadvantage. She just doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. But she said to me, I don't need a man. I, I want, want a man. man. Exactly. Yeah. And I say to her, okay. And I, I honestly, that was our first date. So I let that go, man. I just didn't want to get into that topic or that conversation. But you know, I, I, I actually had that conversation with, uh, excuse me, Jason Hartman this morning too. It's, it's so common right now. I hear, you probably hear this constantly on, on fresh and fit. I've been on there. I, I try to provoke that by the way. <laughs> I, I, I try to be a provocateur about that. I've seen, that, I know yeah. what these women are going to say. Like, do you need a man? I don't need no man. I make my own damn money. Right. Okay. But I want a man. Okay. What kind of man do you want? Oh, I want him to be six feet tall, six figure income, you know, a nine inch cock. And he's got to be, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, six feet tall, whatever, Vitae, six pack abs, whatever, all yeah. that stuff. And it's like, okay, first of all, you realize how rare that is. And then second of all, you don't need that guy, but you want that guy. And so what you're saying is I don't need the average guy for security or money or anything else, but I just, I really want the guy who is the hottest piece of ass or the hottest, you know, most high caliber guy that I can possibly get. I, I don't need him, but you know, it'd be nice if he was around, you know, it's like, you're like that guy that she wants to get with, who is like the, the, the apex alpha, that guy is like in her back of her head. It's like, he's superfluous. Yeah, he's nice. If he's there, if he's not, it's okay. Because I don't need a man. What I'm, t- what I'm going to, what I've been telling guys recently is this, is whenever you get that, whenever a woman says, I don't need a man, but I want, I want, we want women want men, but we don't need men. And then you go, okay, well, here's the deal is 
I want, I don't need women, but I want a woman. You know what kind of woman I want? And they'll go, what? The kind of woman who needs a man. Exactly. That's the kind of woman that I want. I want to be needed. I want to have function. I want to have purpose. I want to be, you know, I want to be on my game and I want to be appreciated and admired and respected and fucked to oblivion because I am high enough and you have a appreciation for who I am and what I am because you understand what your position is and what my position is. I don't need a woman, but I want a woman. What kind of woman do I want? The kind of woman who needs a man. That's what I'm looking for. And you right. know what? I would probably say that most high value men would feel exactly the same way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, the thing that I actually, I will touch on this. I did tell her, I said, look, men, me in general, we want to be, we want you to be dependent on us. See, that's what we create ourselves for. So we can provide for in it, in it, you know, obviously in, in, inadvertently for a woman one day, a family, et cetera. That's why we build ourselves up with status so we can provide these things for you. I mean, yes, they, they definitely, they definitely compliment us in the interim, but we, we inevitably, this is why we do what we do. We, mm -hmm. because we want to have a woman that's dependent on us, that leans on us for provision, for, for protection, for leadership, et cetera. We want that. So by you saying to me, well, I make my own money, which is the reason why I don't need a man. Well, then I feel like there's no reason for me to be here. Yeah. You're there's zero reason. Spread your legs. I'll pay you the money. Let's fuck. And I'll see you later. That's basically what it boils down to. I got the money to have sex with you. Are you, are you DTF? Sure. Let's go. Right. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then what you've done is women have commodified themselves as sexual objects. They've literally turned themselves into sexual objects because they don't need a man. Well, now, that was what a man. Okay. Well, the kind of man who's going to want you back is the kind of guy who's going to leave you a hundred dollar tip on the, on the nightstand when he leaves, that's essentially mm -hmm. what you're, you're asking for. And then, okay. I'm not going to let you off the hook though, Justin. So just so you, just so you know here. Okay. What the fuck are you doing with a single mother yeah, with three kids trying. from three different fathers? Okay. Right, That's right. you got it. You got You got to check yourself right there. Okay. What, so on what fucking yes. planet does a guy who is in your shape with your money at your age, with your maturity, with your high value, go, here's what I want you to do after we're done. Go to the, uh, the, the female delusion calculator, put in all of your stats. Heck I could do it right now. And, 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 and look at what, where you are in the, as far as the, uh, you know, demographically speaking in the United States and look at the amount of men that are, that fit your same demographic, I would, I would probably, I would argue you're probably less than 1%. You're a fraction of 1% of guys like a guy like you should in no way even consider a single mother one kid, right. <laughs> let alone three from three different fathers, man. It's like, if, if I had known you were doing this, I'd be like, I would slap you upside the head. What the fuck are you thinking? Because you can get with way better than that, even if it's recreational use. And so what that says to me is like, she looked like maybe she was a sure thing. She's in a position like when women get to be 29 and they're single mothers, they're easy pickings, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like I say, well, I have a preference for older women. I have a preference for fat women. I have a preference for this kind of woman. I have a preference for single mommies, whatever it is. The reason why you have that preference is because it seems like the path of least resistance. 
You should be with a chick who's 27 years old, no kids, maybe 26, right? You should be with a woman who is of that caliber, who has a, a good enough sense of, of self and understanding of of you know intersexual dynamics and understanding herself and understanding where you're at and being able to say you know what i i realize i want to get i want to have a husband at some point i want to have kids at some point um and she's not technically run through i mean she's probably had boyfriends in the past but she's not she's not a virgin bride but she's not like run through um finding someone like that in your shape and the money you make money muscles game right take all of those things that you have right now and you maximize those things and you go, I'm a fraction of 1%. You deserve way, way, but like, how is that even a thought in your head to go, eh, this 29 year old, I think I'll just bang her a few times and I'll be out. You wouldn't have this, like this whole thing wouldn't be a big deal to you. If you were spinning plates who were 26, 27, 25, 23 year old girls who yeah. are, you know, if you want recreational use, why would you want a 29 year old? you know, single mommy, when you have access to women who are much younger, hotter, tighter, funner, more appreciative. Why is that like, don't, don't, first of all, don't fixate on that whole situation. I, I can't believe she was, a, you know, you, you get off on the indignation. Fuck that. Who cares? You're 37. You're at the top of your fucking game. Why were you not? Why would you even be with her in the first place is what I always ask. And so like when, um, when I talk about this with Rich Cooper, Rich Cooper is really into like, you know, don't date single moms. Most guys are very much a, usually very in, in a vacuum. Most guys are averse to getting with a woman who already has a child, one child, let alone three yeah. children, but are, are averse because that woman is a bad bet for his own paternity. So if he wants to get with her and she's got one kid and he goes, okay, well, um, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be the stepdad who stepped up and you, you marry her and you put a ring on it and you have sex with her and she's, you know, she's appreciative and she has a kid with you and now you've got a stepchild and you've got your own child with her. That's a different story. But even in the best case scenario, most guys are like, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't need the resource drain of another kid's you know, uh, needs and, and because dad, the, the guy that she fucked back when she was in her twenties, doesn't want to, you know, be dad. And you're expecting me to be dad. There are, there better be like a, an over the top amount of appreciation for me actually compromising my genetic interests in my own paternity. They're better. You, uh, you better suck the chrome off a trailer hitch with me when we're in bed in, in appreciation because of the fact that I said, you know what? Okay, I'll I'll help out, right? That's yeah. with one kid, not three yeah. kids with three different fathers. That's Man. one child, and that's why most guys are very averse to getting with a single mother because it's already proven. You've already you're you're essentially agreeing to your own retroactive cuckoldry. So what is think about it this way? You want to know why I will never go on Joe Rogan? It's because of what I'm about to say here is is there's two kinds of cuckoldry. One is retroactive and one is proactive. Proactive is easy, okay? You're married to the girl. She cheats on you and she gets pregnant. She says, it's your baby. And it's not your baby. That's proactive cuckoldry. And when we think of cuckoldry, we think of it in those terms. Like she keeps it a secret, her deep, deepest, darkest secret. And the, the, the meta, you know, unless, unless she's found out through DNA testing for whatever reason, um, she's going to go to the grave with the knowledge that the kid's actually not yours. And that's proactive cuckoldry. But that's what we think of as traditionally as cuckoldry. Then there's the kind of cuckoldry that is retroactive. And the girl that you're just with is a perfect example of retroactive cuckoldry. She's already had like there have been two, 
Since the first kid, there were two other guys who were happy to be retroactive cuckolds because she already had the one kid with the first father. Then she's got number two, and then she's got number three. That's how fucked up the 80% of guys who are optionless that I was talking about before, that's what they're willing to compromise. Well, I'm so optionless. I'm in such a, a position of sexual scarcity that I'll go ahead and I'll take over the responsibility for another man's child, even though it's not in my evolutionary biological you know, for a hundred thousand years, best interest in my own, you know, sexual reproductive strategy, I'm still going to compromise. I'm still going to do that because she'll think of me as a superhero. That was, that was father number two, thinking about father number one, who he's now retroactively cuckled by. Now that wasn't enough. Another guy comes around and he says, you know what? I'm so much of a loser and a cuckold that I'll sign up for my own cuckoldry, not with just one kid, but two kids and two fathers. And so that's, that's even worse. The worst part is, is if she had got you on the hook, if you got her pregnant or whatever, you'd be next in line. You'd be number four in a chain of three guys who were happy to be retroactive cuckolds. Mm. And that is what the definition of cuckoldry is. It is a woman who in some way gets another man to take over the parental investment responsibilities of another man's child. That is the definition of cuckoldry. So there's a retroactive cuckold and there's a proactive cuckold. And we want to make retroactive cuckoldry uh, into a noble practice or a no, you know, oh, it's, he's, he's not the stepdad, he's the dad who stepped up. And we have to do that societally to make women, just like the one you just described, who has three kids, we want to make you, Justin, into the superhero because you're the guy who said, you know what, it's okay, honey. I'm the just the, that big a guy that I'll go ahead and take care of like three kids from three different fathers that you reproduced with before you're even fucking 29 years old, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's retroactive cuckoldry in its most extreme. So that's why I'm not letting you off the hook in all of this, because that's what you signed yourself up for. Even if you just thought, okay, well, I'm not just going to fuck her a few times. I'll be done. You weren't just going to do that because you wouldn't have been as upset enough to have, tell me all about this and get really get get under the collar about all this if there wasn't something else going on. Because if she was just for recreational use, you would have been like, oh, fuck it, whatever, I'm good. I'm not going to talk to Rolo about it. I don't care about it. I'm indifferent to it. You're not indifferent to it. That's why I'm holding your feet to the fire right now, yeah. because in the future, don't fuck single mothers, even well, with one, yeah. even with one kid. It is in your best interest just to say, sorry, I'm out. No, I, that's not for me because I'm high enough value and I understand what my own value is to women. And I know that I don't want to have anything to do with that. And I also know that you're asking me to sign up for my own retroactive cuckoldry. So fuck off. See you later. I'm going to go get with this hot 27 year old. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in my, I'd like to, I, I'm, it's not a defense here, but I want to be full transparent. Um, when I initially engaged with her and I had, I had been knowing her for a few years prior when I initially engaged with her, it makes it worse, man. Um, digging a hole, well, man. <laughs> well, I want to make everything transparent. I want to, I want to give full context here. So, um, initially going into it, I just really liked the way she looked and there was no future between her and I, I knew this, she did not, but I, to be honest, and, the, and, and in terms of being the most barbaric or sounding barbaric as I can, 
without trying to, this is just going to come off that way. I just wanted to see how many, how many, uh, intimate times we could get out of it before I, before we inevitably had a blowout because that was going to happen because she's too masculine for me anyway. Mm -hmm. So it was just a matter of time. There was an expiration date on it. Mm -hmm. And I just, and I'm not doing anything anyways. So Mm -hmm. I figured, let me just play this card right now because initially it is just a fun card. There is nothing serious. Did you have anything else going on at the same time? Did you have any other girls that you were seeing? Well, I mean, there's always, okay. So I have a, I mean, there's always a, you have a roster. Did you have other girls besides this one? Yes. Yes. But I wasn't going to, I was going to do this, do I was going to have do this for her. I wasn't going to engage with the other women if it meant just being with her. So I was going to subjugate myself essentially to, I don't know, to, be just honest about the the exchange between her and I, but you wanted a fuck buddy. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew it wasn't going to last because she has all of these masculine qualities, but yet some of them are then overturned by some sweet qualities, feminine qualities she has. All right. Let me, so let me ask like, you, hold on right there. Cause you yeah. told, you said me, you, 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 you filled this out and maybe I'm missing something here, but okay. So that's the case, but you're telling me right now that she was just going to be a fuck buddy. You just, I just want to see how many times I could get after it before I was like, okay, thanks. See, ya, I'm out. Right. Um, but well, yet, she you're also telling buddy. me that you had a problem with her because she had masculine qualities and she had sweet qualities and all this other stuff. The qualities shouldn't make a fucking amount to a hill of beans. If all you were going to do is turn her into a fuck buddy in the first place. Well, let me clarify. Let me okay. clarify. So I wasn't going to, I don't mean fuck buddy. Cause I think that sounds kind of uh, derogatory for not derogatory. Friend with benefits. Sex yeah. is the most important thing. But also somebody that I could exchange conversation with, hang out with, do things with like I, by nature am more monogamous than I am polygamous. Mm-hmm. I, by nature, that's just the way that I move. I don't, I've had those spells or those seasons rather of rotations where I have seven, eight, nine girls in rotation. I literally have a girl for every day of the week. However, I've done that and it doesn't really serve me in the ways that I want to be served now in my 37 years. Mm -hmm. Currently, I want something a little bit different. So I wanted to have something that was more isolated between her and I, and it went into every spectrum, conversation, camaraderie, uh, fucking all of that. Right. But I knew even with all that as a pretense, I knew there was an expiration date. I just didn't know when, mm-hmm. but I knew it wasn't going to be long. I, I mean, what we talk in three months, six months, you know, or less, but I knew there was, I knew we wouldn't get far. Cause I knew we would have conversations that are analogous to what I just dispensed with earlier about the business thing, but I didn't know it was going to come that early. And I didn't know it was going to be about a fucking discrepancy about what's a business, what defines a business owner or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I thought it was going to come down to me telling her, look, I don't like this part of you. It's too masculine for me. And I don't want to deal with that. I I thought it was going to be something like that or her be offended by something that I said. 
and be and well, I guess it ended up being that. It ended mm-hmm. up being her being offended by something I said. Um, but yeah, in full transparency, that was start to finish my thoughts. On Just, Justin, hang on one second. You're yeah. 37 years old, correct? Yeah. You never been married? No, man. No, no marriage. Okay, so you're excluded married. You are white. Um, how tall are you? Five eleven. Yeah. That we said okay. Um, you're definitely not obese, so let's put that on there. Uh, give me a ballpark for your yearly income. Is it above five hundred thousand? Is it a hundred k? What are you about? Just ballpark it. Above a hundred k. Above a hundred k. Is it below two hundred k? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna put it at one hundred and fifty here. Let's just put it right smack in the middle. You don't have to be like that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good estimate actually. Okay, so let's put it right there. One hundred fifty k. Um, you're not overweight. You that's your height. You're white. Uh, let's see, you're not married, put the age range between 35 and 40 because you're 37. So that's a nice smack in the middle. Let's look out. Let's, let's see how rare a man you really are. You <laughs> represent 1.7%. I was actually surprised. You represent 1.7% of the population in the United States. Wow. That's you. So you're white, any marital status got you. So it's, it's uh, you're open. Actually, you're, so you're actually, you're not married. So hold on one second. Let me, let me back up. I messed up. Uh Oh, that's going to make you exclude married. So we're going to exclude married, obviously. Um, Okay. You're white uh, and you're 5'11", $150,000. And now let's do this here. All right. Much better. You actually represent 0.3% of the population. That is to say you represent actually 0.53% of all white men in your age range right now. Okay. So statistically speaking, I, they don't even have the numbers of like, usually they'll give it to you like in millions, like how many people are like you in the US. They don't even, they, they can't even calculate that. So statistical data, the probability of a guy of the US male population between 35 to 40 meets your standards is 0.30%. So that's, you, you represent a third, about a third of 1% of the population. This is what you need to keep in mind when you are dating. This is this, and, and I'll tell you, you you're never going to get women to appreciate this, of course. But like the the, I think it. I think honestly, I think the female delusion calculator benefits men more than it does women, because most guys go, well, I'm I'm you know I'm just common, I'm just me, I just suck, blah blah blah. No, no, you don't. Actually, you represent zero point three percent of the population in the United States. So. It seems to me that Justin ought to be thinking about like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm the shit. So, <laughs> you know, it's okay to be arrogant. It's okay to be a little bit more discerning. It's okay to be judgmental. It's okay to say, you know what, I'm not into a chick who has, you know, three kids from three different fathers. I can get a girl who's 27 years old, who's a hot piece of ass and, and, and be okay. You don't have to lower your standards, Justin. You have more select sexual selectivity than you probably realize that you do. That's why I'm not, I'm not trying to like bust your chops or anything about any of this. It's just the fact that I don't think enough guys really understand their real value to women, especially guys who are like in, in that cohort, right? They, they're not obese. They're not overweight. They're you know, maybe not six foot tall. I'm, I'm 5'11 too, right? Um, and I mean, I'm older than you, but my, my, my demographic for what I'm, for who I am and what I am, I am very rare right now. And I, I'll be happy to strut around this fucking house. And my wife will go, yep, I love them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know like, I, and, and I'm happy to do that. And that sounds like arrogant and cocky and everything else, but you know what, that 
makes you that much more attractive. In right. my first book, you probably have read this, and I'll leave you with this, is that I have, um, there's a, a chapter in there, it's called The Threat. And I, I lead off that chapter with this, the I'm probably gonna have to paraphrase this, but um, there's nothing that is more threatening yet simultaneously attractive to women than a guy who understands his own value to women and he acknowledges it. That he's mm -hmm. like, I know what I know what I'm worth. I know that I'm 0.30% of the population and I know my own value and I know my own value to women and I am going to act upon that. So I have selectivity. You're finally at a point where you're hitting your stride. You have the most of what you, if you've maximized your potential as a guy at your age, and it seems like you have, you deserve better than a 29-year-old single mom who gives you lip about what a fucking business is and what a business is not, okay? That right there, like you shouldn't even get to the point where you had that debate in the first place. But the moment you're like, oh, she's putting, she's giving me any kind of lip or pushback, she clearly doesn't realize that I'm the shit, and I can get with a 27 year old or a 25 year old or a, or a God who God knows what a woman with no kids in tow, and it's like that's what we're gonna, that's where you're at. <laughs> See ya, comply or goodbye. And it's not. I hate to sound like a, a, an arrogant, you know, conceited prick, but more guys need to understand what they they need to understand that there is nothing that is more simultaneously attractive and threatening to women than a guy who understands his own value to women, and yeah. is willing to act upon that. And if you can get to that point in your head, you won't have these conversations. You won't feel put out by a chick who's clearly not even close to your caliber. Like uh, was it a Rich Cooper said this. This is women don't care about a man's struggles. They wait at the finish line and they fuck the winners. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you're a winner. You're at the finish line. You're, you represent 0.3% of the population. You have to be careful of women who like wait at the finish line to fuck you because you know what they're going to say? Oh, you're really not all that. You should be with me. I'm, I'm just coming down from on high to, to actually give you the time of day and to actually, you know, let you into my holy magic pussy. Because, you know, well, you finally lived up to some finally found someone who lived up to my expectations. No, that's not how it works. You have sexual selectivity that a 29 year old woman with three kids in tow from three different fathers does not have and will never have in the rest of her life It will never happen. So it, when you put it into like, as I say it all the time, like I stick to like nuts and bolts and object, I, I connect dots here. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me I'm wrong. Because I don't think that I am. I mean, is the math not coming out right <laughs> that I'm that I'm presenting here? Because once you do the math and once you see the results, you go, you know what? Maybe I should change. Maybe I should change my behavior. Maybe I should change my attitude. Maybe I should start thinking about myself. And maybe I should start thinking, even if you're all marriage-minded or monogamous or whatever, the fact of the matter is, is you told me that you were you know, I'm, I'm, I'm monogamy minded. Okay, fine. Then why are you with a 29 year old woman with three different kids from three different fathers? If she's just for recreational use only, why are you, if that's your case, if that's your conviction, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying it shouldn't be, if that's the case, why are you not looking for a single chick? Who's like a hoppy's ass who, who admires you, looks up to you, respects you, knows what your value is, appreciates your value and, and wants to have kids and wants to go forward in life with you. Why are you not with that, that girl instead of the 29 year old? Why does she seem like a good idea? And, and another girl isn't, 
you have options that you don't even realize that you fucking have. That's why you do the calculator. Feel them looking. Yeah, yeah, no. I well, for one, I appreciate all those words, and I still am looking, and I still was looking. Uh, You're more valuable than you think you are. You're stronger than you think you are. You are way more in a better. You're 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 already at the finish line, man. You got to be careful of the chicks who are waiting at the finish line to fuck the winners, especially because those chicks they need you more than you need them. Correct. Especially a 29 year old woman with three kids in tow. She definitely needs you way more than well, you will ever need her. In fact, you don't need her at all. You should never have even considered that quite honestly, but correct, be correct, that correct. as it may going forward, don't, don't consider single moms. Don't consider any of the, don't, don't get put out by all this bullshit about, you know, what's a business, what's not business. Like, who cares? I got the 10 more girls that want to fuck me. And if I got to have this conversation with you, it's like, see you. Right. I'm not going to take care of your kids. You're a recreational use only. I got two more girls on speed dial. Fuck you. I'm out. That was uh, definitely the feeling. However, I felt like it bode really well for the conversation to tell you about that <laughs> circumstance that I was in. Yeah. Um, and I, I should tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Cause just so you don't just so to bring myself back down to earth here when I was, how old was I? 22, 22 or 23. Um, I was playing, I played in a lot of bands back then, as you probably can tell. Yeah. Um, but when I was 22, 23, there was this woman that was actually the manager of one. She well, ended up becoming the manager of one of the bands that I was in. And we started dating and she was 41 and I was 22 at the time, right? She was the first like cougar experience for Rolo, right? And um, I, and so, and she was, she loved me, man. She bought me, what she didn't buy me. She gave me a car. <laughs> she, uh, she'd always buy, like, I, I learned to love sushi because she'd always take me to sushi bars. And like, I was, oh, wow. her boy, I was her boy toy for a while. And I can remember one time I've, I've told this, I've told this story on my show before. So I'll tell, I'll tell you here. Um, I w- I can remember one time I would always go over to her place because she would always bring me over to her house um, on the weekends to to have so we would just have marathon sex from you know Friday to Sunday morning right and um, I can remember one time I I it wasn't we didn't go over to her apartment at nighttime it was I had was waiting for her I think it was on a Friday afternoon and I went over and I was just hanging out by the pool in her condo and everything and then I looked at I don't know I was just sitting in the chair and I was. I was looking at the the condo and I look where her front door was and I looked where the next front door was to the, the next condo, the next unit. Right. And I go, this unit is way bigger <laughs> than what I've seen on the inside because I'd only ever seen the bedroom, the living room, the kitchen, the kitchenette thing, her, you know, the bathroom and, and that's it. And there was always this one door that went off into another section of the condo. And I asked her about it one time, just kind of cat. I didn't care. Right? I was just getting laid. Right. I said, hey, where's that door go? She goes, oh, that goes to the, the laundry room. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't think about anything else. But that, that one time I was there in the afternoon and I saw the unit and I go, this unit, that's not just a fucking laundry room. That's a way too big for a laundry room. So when I was there with her on this following morning, on Saturday morning, I was just too curious. And she was getting in the shower and showering up. I got out of bed and I went into the, <laughs> I opened the door and there was a laundry room. She wasn't lying about that. But there's a whole nother bedroom there 
for her son. Oh, <laughs> that shit. she never told me about. Oh shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say her husband. No, no, like, her son, because she got the key. She would have the, she shared custody with the kid and everything like that. Oh. So she, he would live with her, her son would live with her. And he was a cool kid. I mean, he was like, you know, nine or 10 years old, but I had no, she would like kept that a secret from me for probably the first like two months that we were actually, you know, seeing each other and everything else. And like she was afraid that if I knew she was a single mom that she and she was right that I wouldn't want to get with her. And this is back in like 1990, I think. So this we're talking all like a long time ago, you know, 32 years or something like that for a very long time. And so, I mean, as far back as like, say, 1990, you know, women understand on some level that they know that if they have a kid that that puts them at an extreme disadvantage in the yeah. sexual marketplace, even prior to the internet and social media. Right. Yeah. And I remember she was, she came out of the, she came out of the shower and I was like, I looked in the door and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I should have told you, but you know, she was like, really, you know, like, like getting all like, Oh, please don't leave. Oh, really? <laughs> <Stay> fucking me. <laughs> but you it probably looked at her. I, I, people love that story, but it was funnier than hell. Cause I was like, this condo is way longer than yeah, it yeah. actually is. So, dude, you probably you probably already understood it was for recreational use only. Her, oh, yeah. oh you yeah. know. So regardless, was, of, she would say it, the same thing too. She's yeah. like, "It's fun for now." That was our yeah, thing. Exactly. And then when it was over, it was over. Kid or not, you know. I mean, like forty-one and a twenty-two-year-old is just way too it's much. Not gonna age gap. No, no, yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, and she knew that, and I knew that, and we were just doing. Oh, I mean, she was the manager of the band, so it was like if it was a professional thing, that's another thing. It's another thing if it's like, hey, um, I'm you. You want to bang on Friday night? Yeah, okay, I'll be all right over here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Said, she she actually gave me a car at the time too, so that I could like go come and go as I wanted to. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was actually. It was. She was. She was one of the more memorable uh, notches that I had from that from that era for sure. But um, uh, and, and she was also the first older woman that I was with as well. So uh, it was you know it was experiment. It was the uh, the cougar experiment. Let's just say. Oh but, yeah. Um, but I mean that adds. But, but there was never. There was never. And remember, I. She was a single mom, but she was older than me as well. So it was, I knew damn well, I was never, I'm never going to marry this girl. You get this woman who's 41 and I'm 22 and it's not going to happen. She knew it wasn't going to happen either. She just enjoyed it for what it was at the time. And that was actually the, probably the best part of that whole relationship is that we both had that kind of understanding. And then I'm in a band anyway. So it's like, you know, she ha also had to put up with the fact that I had other women that wanted to get with me. And then, you know, after a while, she's just like, okay, I'm done with this. And I was done with it too. And that was cool. It ran its course and that was it. But there was never any like pretense of like, oh, we're going to get married and live forever. No, no, not going to happen. Well, Anyways. that, I mean, you're the man. You're, I want to, I want to emphasize that you're the man. And I really enjoyed the conversation with you, man. Um, yeah. I want you to tell people where they can find oh, you. You can find me at therationalmail.com. That's my blog um, that I am re-renovating right now. Um, I You can find all five of my books on amazon.com, and it's The Rational Mail. Just type in The Rational Mail on Amazon in the book section, and you'll find all five of them. Well, I'll just answer this right now. The audio for book five will be available at the end of this month. It's We're putting on the final touches to it. 
I'm doing all the audio. It's already, the read is already done, but we have to do all the, all the things that Audible wants us to do, you know, acoustically and, and file wise. So that will be available probably towards the end of, of June. So it's coming for, for the Audible version of that. Cause people keep asking me about that. Um, my, my, uh, podcast is the rational mail. I do it ever. I do a live stream for anywhere between like two to four hours on, um, <laughs> Let me stop bullshitting about four hours every Sunday, um, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, and then I have a clips channel. So in case you don't want to watch a full four hours, uh, you can get the highlights clips on my clips channel, which is the rational mail, which is a rational mail clips. And um, and then I also do a panel show every Saturday morning at 1130 a.m. It is called Rule Zero. We pass it around host wise. But uh, if you just uh, type in Rule Zero in YouTube, you'll find out where it is. And so I, I, I do that for about 90 minutes to two hours, depending on what we do. But that's uh, in fact, I'm doing it tomorrow morning um, on uh, 1130 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. So that's what I have going on. And next week I will be at the Rebel Capitalist um, Convention in Miami from the 20th to the 28th. So if you happen to be in Miami at that time and you want to get in touch with me, you can always look me up on Twitter. I am uh, at uh, rational mail, Roll Tomasi at rational mail. And then I'm also available on Instagram. I am rational underscore mail on Instagram. And that's about it. Nice, man. Are you reading the book for Audible? No, I wouldn't. No, 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 no. I, I don't read. Like people ask me to do that. They say, you read the book, Roll. And I could, but if you wanted to wait like eight months for the book, I could do that. <laughs> um, simply because I got too, first of all, I got too much stuff going on. And then second of all, I could do it. I have all the all the gear here in the studio to do it. It's just that they're like audible is very particular about how you read. And so I usually go through professionals and I try to find people who have good conversational tone and everything. Yeah. As well. I had Sam Bada and then I got Trey doing this one and the last one. And so I try to, to make it as accessible as possible. Maybe in the future, I might actually do some reads myself or do like some anchor or gum road reads of like old essays and stuff like that. Cause I know people really enjoy like, why i don't know but you enjoy listening to my huntington beach surfer boy accent from southern california so um and people really like it so I, I probably will end up doing reads at some point but not for this one nice well that's a bummer because it's always a cool thing when the god dude let author. me read you the rational mail totally <laughs> that's awesome no are you gonna be on fresh and fit I will be on Fresh and Fit probably somewhere between the 20th and the 23rd, well, not the 23rd, 20th, 21st, or 22nd, one of those dates uh, coming up. I will, oh, I should mention this. I will be on Adam Sosnick's show on Valuetainment, which will be Thursday, the 23rd. I'll be on with my, it'll be myself, uh, Tori, Torsha, and it'll be uh, George Gammon, us three. And I think we got one other girl on that too, who I don't know is confirmed yet, but it will be myself, Tori, and, uh, and George Gammon on Thursday, the 23rd, which should be for, make for a pretty spicy show because George is, George is new to all of this. So um, it, it should be a pretty fun show. And then again, uh, Rebel Capitalist is uh, the 24th, 25th, and 26th of June. That'll be at the Hilton, or the Miami Midtown Hilton. Um, if you're interested in going, just look up a rebel capitalist on Google and you'll find the link and you can get a registration if you want to go. So you're a busy guy, man. You're running around yeah, everywhere. Yeah. But sure. it's better to be busy than fucking not busy. Yeah. So. I have a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, man. Sure, sure. All right. All right, man. Anytime. Thanks, man. I'll see you later. Yeah.
Vale. Sí, vale.